Hey folks, welcome to episode one of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Here we go. Episode one of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Thanks for joining. Today's first guest is Keenan Weller of Live Work Play. And Keenan is the founder, co-founder, and co-leader of Live Work Play. And today on the episode, we cover how Keenan founded Live Work Play. We cover uh, the movement from uh, more uh, group support or grouped support to individualized support, and we talk about that movement. And we also talk about how individuals and families uh, impacted by developmental or intellectual disability can access uh, or best access services in Ontario. Now, if you're not in uh, the Ontario area, if you're from somewhere else in the world, I think there's still a lot of value in this podcast, things that you can learn that might be working well uh, in this area of the world that you might be able to take and apply in uh, in your area of the world. So thanks for joining us. And here we go. Episode one with Keenan Weller. Keenan and I met at the recent, just recently here uh, in February at the Presence to Citizenship Learning Exchange, uh, which was a conference put on by uh, some of the agencies in the um, disability sector. Uh, and there was, you know, agencies there, there was government and individuals interested in, in sharing learning, and it was great. And there was this video put on by uh, Bob Fleck, and it shared some of the great work being put on by uh, agencies in this in this space uh, that are connected to community living. And, and Bob spoke about visiting Keenan out in Ottawa. And uh, one of the things that Bob said about Keenan that uh, really spiked my interest in, in, in touching base with him was uh, he said when he when he went to uh, live work play in Ottawa, uh, Keenan. Uh, he asked Keenan, where is everybody? Because no one was in the building. And uh, and Keenan said, they're right where they're supposed to be. They're out in the community. So I was like, all right, I got to talk to this guy. So uh, so here we are. I, uh, I approached him and, he, and he's happy to come on the podcast. So super grateful uh, that Keenan's here with us today. Uh, first guest guest on the uh, Empowering Ability podcast. So Keenan, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad the from presence of citizenship learning exchange resulted in a learning exchange. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. And the learning continues. So right. yeah, so thank you for uh, for being on the show. Um, so Keenan, uh, maybe you can tell us just maybe a little bit more about, uh, you know, live, work, play and uh, and yourself out, out in Ottawa. Sure. I think uh, I often refer to it as, as the, the happy accident. And uh, I have to tell you how I got involved in this field in the, in the beginning, because uh, for a lot of people, it's often they have a, a family member or there's some sort of uh, life occurrence that uh, piques their interest or, or uh, gets them determined to, to make a difference. And uh, for me, it was, it was truly an accident, uh, which was that I was looking for uh, part-time work as a young university student, and I misread an employment ad. Um, I thought that uh, it said developmental challenges in the ad, and I thought perhaps that was uh, kids from uh, you know families with economic challenges because I had a lot of experience with that, a little bit anyway. And uh, I applied for the job, and during the interview, I was very confused. I couldn't understand <laughs> what the job was all about. 
And it turned out to be uh, working with uh, young people with uh, intellectual developmental disabilities. And uh, I did somehow uh, get the job. And the first night, uh, the first evening, it was kind of a, uh, a social program. And it was actually the first time in my entire life, I believe I was uh, just turned 21, uh, that I had met a person with Down syndrome or met a person with autism. And so I was really happy about the experience. But a few hours later when I went home, it occurred to me, well, why is it that this is the first time uh, you're meeting anybody with these different disability labels? And of course, the answer came back, well, they've been kept apart from me uh, and I've been kept apart from them. And so I got very interested in that. And even though uh, Live, Work, Play did not start for uh, about another six or seven years after that, and I'd gone and done things like work in the uh, IT sector, it always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, I eventually was able to to follow my heart. And uh, thanks to my wife, uh, future wife, uh, Julie, uh, who really helped organize some of the thoughts around what might be done in an organizational capacity to address some of these changes. And uh, through another accident, which is another long story, we got funding from the uh, Ontario Trillium Foundation, which uh, gave us a launch uh, back in 1997 after working on the design, I'll say, for about uh, two years. Wow. As you speak there, it sounds like maybe those accidents weren't really accidents. Meant to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's an awesome story, Keenan, um, and good for you for following your heart. That's amazing. Thanks. Um, you know, I can I can relate with that because I'm on a, a similar journey now with uh, you know what I'm up to and and this podcast. So, um, right. so today we're going to chat about how uh, families uh, can families impacted by. Um, intellectual or, or developmental disability can can partner with with agencies and, and how to best um, go go about that um, but before we get into that um, you know I imagine that live work play is a little bit different than than other agencies and tell us a little bit about how that is coming into your work now yeah I think these days um, really focused more on partnerships like you saw at the conference so mm-hmm. You know, quite a large group of agencies from all across the province who there would be differences. And that was deliberate. Uh, some agencies that are larger, agencies that are urban, agencies that are rural, you know, we remain quite small depending how you look at it. Uh, you know, most people look at it as a resource issue. How many staff do you have? So, you know, we're still kind of in the in the 20s uh, in terms of staff numbers, whereas there's agencies that have hundreds. Mm-hmm. So there's differences like that. But I think it's as... Uh, we evolved through our own organizational development, made lots of interesting mistakes along the way, including ending up doing some um, congregated and segregated sorts of things that, uh, you know, we kind of laugh at now. What were we thinking? Uh, because we very much had in mind the outcome is for people to to be in community and to be citizens like other citizens. Mm-hmm. And yet you get caught up in these sorts of structures. And so a lot of agencies now are seeing that that same uh, discrepancy or paradox, uh, whatever the right word is, that, uh, well, they too, they, they aren't setting out to keep the individuals they support out of their own communities. It's just that sometimes that is the result that they're delivering. If they look at a program, you know, the, a lot of these programmatic structures, if someone's been there for 10, 20, 30 years, and it kind of says on the mission statement, the point is to help them transition to life in the community, 
I think we just have to check a box and go, this failed, uh, and we need to do something different because it's not working. And pretty much universally, you know, Ontario, but worldwide, everyone is, has come to these same conclusions over the last 30 years, and the pace of change is just uh, different wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And it sounds from, you know, what you're saying, it sounds like your mission is really uh, focusing on getting those individuals with an intellectual developmental disability into the community and, and helping them become citizens. Is that right? Yeah. And I, I try not to make it too complicated. I kind of look at, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, my personal life is to be exactly copied, but really just the t- kinds of choices that I have as a person, um, that they would be at least similar, right? So things that people don't think about if they, they don't have a disability or don't have someone in their life with a disability, but just, you know, housing, jobs, friends, uh, and, you know, hobbies and people to enjoy those hobbies with, really, that's kind of what uh, life's all about, mostly. And so we, we just want to look at the people we support and their family members and the community in the same way. So that, you know, difference that's being experienced and the different types of lives that are often lived, uh, that what are, what are the barriers or what are, what's the thinking going on that's leading to those results? And, uh, you know, I think we, we focused hard uh, about starting about 10 years ago. Step one, let's make sure we're not part of the problem. So what are things that we are doing? Let's look at everything we're doing and, you know, anywhere that we see, well, this is actually probably reinforcing um, barriers that keep people out of committee. Let's get rid of that uh, respectfully where it's things that, you know, people like or that, that they'd be frightened that, you know, it was being taken away, that sort of thing. So let's let's do it as a conversation, as a community, um, and let's get the alternatives in place and functioning before we, you know, we bring things to a close. But, you know, really let's challenge uh, like our, our day program uh, let's challenge that. What's what's the point of this? Is it working? Um, is it helping people get somewhere, or is this really the you know is the journey also the destination? And uh, that's a lot of questions that I I ask when uh, I've had the privilege to get invited to visit with other agencies, often that are pursuing changes like this or asking these sorts of questions. And and that's really you know anything you have that's called transitional that people aren't leaving. I think you can safely say this is not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I love that approach that uh, that you're taking at Live Work Play, Keenan. Um, just for our listeners, can you tell us uh, a little bit about the services that you offer? Uh, you, you talked about uh, a day program. Um, maybe you can maybe elaborate on that a little bit and some of the other services that you provide. Sure, we we uh, phased out the day program starting in 2006. Okay, and evolved. Uh, an interesting journey uh, with the same budget that the Ministry of Community and Social Services was providing for the program, uh, work with them to say, well, what we'd like to do, because we know, you know, basically you have a service contract with the government to support X number of people, uh, negotiated with them. Can we continue supporting those 30 people? Uh, but let's take this same budget. We're going to meet with all of those people, uh, talk about what they're goals are in their own lives and basically structure an individual plan for each person. So instead of having people come all from all over the city to a location and do things together, I mean, we had things like we had like basically our own little gym with a treadmill and we're kind of going, what are we doing? This guy, (laughs) you know, he lives in Canada, which is a suburb of Ottawa. Why is he getting on a bus 
uh, coming downtown, coming into a social services building, getting on a treadmill. There's a, a gym two blocks from his house. Right. <laughs> we should be going to that gym, learning what it's like, meeting the owners, meeting the receptionist, um, seeing what kind of gym it is and if it's a good fit. And then, you know, playing perhaps some kind of a facilitator role. What would it take to, you know, get you to be successful in this gym that is two blocks from your house? And maybe actually meet more people than who we happen to have on staff or this uh, set group of people who have a similar label as you. And that's kind of been decided. This is your your range of uh, possibilities as acquaintances and friends. Uh, let's grow your world instead of uh, shrinking it. So we started that whole process. And that basically has just been the next uh, over the past decade has been getting better and better at, you know, how do you do that? How do you, um, you know, help people live the life they want to live? And I think if, you know, our mission statement uh, that evolved in uh, 2011 to, it leads with helping the community welcome people with intellectual disabilities to live, work, and play as valued citizens. And that's, I think that's the, the shift and the discussion that is happening right now is recognizing this thing called developmental services. It's not supposed to be a parallel world where we do everything, you know, we provide housing and work-like activity and relationships in, in a separate sort of planet. Um, we should be facilitating access to those things in the community, which is a very different job. Uh, and so that's why this sort of transition or transformation that's been going on in our province and across the world, it is really challenging because it's not, you know, just telling the staff uh, of an agency, well, now we're doing this because it's a whole different mindset of what is my purpose. It's not a, uh, you know, a caregiver. Um, it's really a facilitator. Mm -hmm. And so that's a two very different jobs. Um, listening to what someone is telling you they want and helping make that happen versus telling them uh, this is the program. Uh, within the program, these are the choices. So, you know, are you going to do cooking today or music? Uh, this is very different. Uh, and it's opened up such a, a fascinating, you know, range of challenges. I look at the amazing things, you know, once you earn the trust of individuals and families to tell you, first of all, you know, it takes a lot of trust before, I don't know about you, but I don't just walk up to people and start telling about my dreams. Uh, this is very personal stuff. Mm -hmm. And it takes takes a lot of trust. And people with disabilities often have learned uh, to withhold information because, you know, if you've spent any time around the typical sort of meeting that takes place in a school or, you know, in developmental services, people are, with disabilities are getting uh, assessed a lot. You know, a lot of strangers uh, talking about them. And making decisions based on those conversations, and they get, you know, justifiably uh, frightened of this process, and they all deal with it in their own own ways. It can be withholding information, uh, but also, you know, giving the information that they think people want to hear. And so, we found from individuals as well as their family members, you know, you have to have some patience and not expect that, you know, you're just going to host. Um, 
an initial an intake meeting and they're just going to come out with everything they want and you can make a list and away you go. It takes time. It takes making a series of lists. You might get one list the first time and that's really just the start of a conversation and it's an opening for us to really getting to know a person. And that's the kind of training that we, we do a lot now. It's, you know, what is involved in getting to know a person. If you've seen, you saw the, the some of the amazing speakers at uh, from Presence to Citizenship and, you know, a guy like uh, Al Condalusi is someone that we will, we bring to Live or Play to work with our staff and to really talk about what it means to get to know a person uh, and build relationship. Yeah, that, I love it. Uh, taking that facilitator approach and enabling an individual's dreams, but first starting to build that relationship and that trust to be able to get down to that level. Um, that's awesome, Keenan. I, I love that uh, that approach that you're taking. So, if I'm, you know, a, a parent or a brother or a sister or even an individual that uh, might be impacted by uh, an intellectual disability that's listening to this podcast. How do I start to access some of these services? So, um, you know, if, if I wanted to um, access the services at Live, Work, Play, um, what's the best way to go about doing that? Right. Well, I'm going to condense it into there's really I'll say there's there's three ways um, right now. And it pretty much applies uh, across the province of Ontario mm-hmm. and across all of the any agency that is uh, funded by the Ministry of Community and Social Services. There are also uh, private agencies. So, you know, Eric Gold can put out a shingle and say, you know, I, I provide, uh, you know, I'm, an, I'm a worker, you can hire me, that kind of thing. So that is also available. And, that, you know, those are tend to be pretty much straight on uh, cash exchanges. Uh, but in terms of, so accessing um, a ministry-funded agency, a developmental services agency, uh, through kind of a, I'll call it like a traditional placement. So, you know, let's say at Live Work Play, we have uh, you know, 30 spots in community participation uh, that we're, we're paid to uh, make available uh, year after year through our ministry funding. Uh, so to access those, you would be going to Developmental Services Ontario, and there's one for each region across the province, and that can be found uh, online. You just anyone uh, just Google's Developmental Services Ontario, it'll come right up. It'll tell you in your region and uh, the telephone number. And it's basically a process of, uh, if people have not been through it yet, um, making an appointment. There are a number, uh, there's an assessment uh, process involving some pretty uh, intrusive um, assessments. And we have learned also to... Make sure families and individuals are, are ready for that. It can be a shock. They use the uh, support intensity scale, which is, you know, I'm going to say about an eight-hour process in total. So that's a lot of questions. Wow. Uh, yeah, many of them very uh, personal in nature. Many of them that the individual and family, it, it, may, it may seem that the questions really have nothing to do with the help that they want, and that is uh, valid. Um so I don't know what to say about that other than if you want to go that route, you must follow the uh, assessment procedure in order to get to the next step, which is basically uh, requesting the type of services uh, that you're looking for. Uh, and then also, unfortunately, typically there will be a significant waiting list. And those waiting lists tend to be prioritized 
according to need, which is determined through the assessment process. So it's a little bit, you know, it's, let's just say, uh, it's not exactly a happy dance. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of barriers and I, I get the exact question you asked people. Um, we have a wonderful service coordinator who handles those calls. So I don't take too many of them anymore, but sometimes I'm the backup. And, uh, so we're, we spend a lot of time with people they you know, they might hear a podcast like this and they're very excited and they make a call and then it's to find out, well, there's an awful lot to do first. Uh, so another, uh, and, you know, in address, attempting to address uh, some of those issues and, you know, as a way to help quite a large number of individuals and families at least have some access to supports. Uh, the Ontario government, as many others have done, have initiated uh, an individualized uh, funding program. They called it Passport. Bit of an unfortunate name. Again, very confusing to families. What do you mean he has to get a passport? <laughs> yeah, uh, We're not taking a trip. Yeah. Uh, but I get the idea. It was the idea that it's, it's a passport to community. And what this is, is a uh, individualized funding where, again, you, you do need to complete the uh, support intensity scale uh, and the the uh, DSO assessment process. Uh, but then down the road, there is an opportunity for individualized funding based on that assessment. So that could be, I'll just take as an example, uh, you know, um, $6,000 a year that is provided to the individual uh, or to their family, depending on the relationship. And then they can... Uh, purchase certain types of services within the ministry guidelines. So it could include coming to an agency like Live Work Play and saying, you know, we, we want uh, uh, we want help with um, organizing his finances or she needs help uh, finding a, a basketball team in her neighborhood and that sort of thing. So a lot of different options. It can also be used for, for costs. It can be used to join uh, the YMCA, that sort of thing. So it's pretty flexible. Uh, just generally speaking, it's it tends to be not enough money to enter into the type of relationship with an agency that was traditionally available through a placement. Uh, so that would be, I, I'd say, in a nutshell, one of the key differences. But those are the two ways at present that people typically access services uh, with government funds. So. You don't see the funds when you go through uh, kind of the placement process, whereas Passport, you get the funds and then you're going and, and purchasing the services. And then the third way is just people paying out of pocket uh, where there are agencies uh, that will uh, engage in fee-for-service relationships. So we had a lot of demand for that starting about 10 years ago. And it's been a we've been trying to strike the right balance between those uh, placements serving passport individuals and also with people with fee-for-service. And just the, the challenge of that is just that uh, we don't want to become exclusive to any particular community. So, you know, only wealthy people, for example. Uh, this is not the point of Live, Work, Play. And yet, uh, you know, there are people who have been waiting a long time on a waiting list and they have funds uh, through whatever source they have them. And so we decided we'll make some fee-for-service available, we'll take some passport clients, we'll continue to do the placements, and we'll just keep revisiting sort of this blend and see how it goes. Yeah, so that's uh, interesting. So there's three different ways to access um, services. 
ad live work play is that is that typical across all agencies in Ontario or does it vary? It varies. Uh, some are still uh, really struggling with how to respond to the the um, individualized funding, whether it's passport or fee for service. So it can be a bit challenging. It, well, not a bit. It's very challenging with uh, the way human resources are managed. So especially in a more traditional agency where maybe they the scheduling for staff, for example, was pretty consistent and, you know, literally here's your schedule for the next three months. If you look at what a typical liver play staff member, they don't know what it's going to be in three weeks because the people they're supporting may have a new interest or a change and our schedules, the number of hours uh, needs to stay within the correct uh, band for legal work in Ontario. But the, when you're doing that work needs to flex with the individual so if a if a, a family uh, with passport funds comes and you know well what well, we really we really need help with uh, you know becoming part of this gym and there's these evening classes or these art classes and and we like your support in, in helping Joe uh, take part and be included in those uh, well if they're not at ten in the morning they're not at ten in the morning so if they're at seven p.m. that's when we need to work and uh, I think this is part of the you know, the current dynamics is how do we shift out of a, a programmatic system and into one that is flexible uh, with the individual. So I think that's why it's not consistent across the province. And, you know, I was just hearing that the other day, someone saying, well, I, you know, I'm in this, this particular community and I, I went to the agency and they, you know, they don't do that. And so it is a bit uh, understandably frustrating right now that you know, a family member might watch that video that you refer to and, and get pretty excited about things, and then perhaps, you know, what's in their immediate vicinity, it doesn't look like that, and they're they're frustrated. So it, it's taking a, a while to you know get kind of province wide uh, buy into a more person centered type of support. Yeah. So if uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about this from the perspective of you know my sister. So my sister, she's a couple years older than me. And I'm 30 now, so she um, she has a developmental disability. So you know, if I want to get her access to the, some of these uh, you know types of services, um, where's my first phone call to? Is it to the DSO? Is it to uh, a local agency? What would the advice? Uh, what advice do you have on that? Uh, definitely, there's definitely no uh, benefit to waiting to go through the DSO process. So I would say you're going to start there um, and, and get that done, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even if, even if you're given, you know, quotes about uh, waiting lists and things, um, I, I just recommend to people uh, knuckle down and, and go through it because you don't know, because you don't know the situation down the line either. So right now it, it may be that, you look at the at the at the priority list, and you're you're thinking, well, you know, my sister, she's not in, uh, you know, it's not an emergency type of situation, uh, but that could happen. That's life, right? So I say, you know, uh, get through that and and uh, get the assessments done. Uh, that then that also is your opportunity to apply for passport. And again, I think you know, why not um, get started on that? And if it takes a couple of years. Uh, then that's going to become, you know, annualized dollars for you. That's going to help with costs. And it's not just to spend on an agency. You can spend it on, as I said, 
you know, a YMCA membership on transportation. So different, different uh, avenues where, you know, it's not uh, taking out of the individual or family income. So that's great. And of course, some people also uh, manage not to find out about uh, the Ontario Disability Support Program. We get calls from people who've somehow, uh, you know, gone through school and haven't gotten support with those transitions to community and, and they haven't, they're not receiving their uh, Ontario Disability Support Program uh, pension, uh, which also ha- offers uh, an employment supports uh, option, which uh, if it's not available through an agency, anyone, any ODSP recipient uh, can request employment supports through ODSP. So that's another, you know, important stop along the way. Right. So it sounds like uh, first calls to the to the DSO. And then would you recommend contacting uh, the local agency as well? Or would you just focus on going through the DSO? I think absolutely. Um, so we were talking about this a lot uh, in the conversations at the Learning Exchange about a lot of agencies, including Live Work Play. We, we've adopted the approach that even when we, you know, even when we don't have uh, vacancies or, you know, we can't um, take anyone new right now, that we need to at least offer a conversation, like much like the one that, that you and I are having uh, for families. If their first experience, you know, they called, they were online like yourself and they saw Live Work Play and they called and all they got back was, uh, well, actually we're full, go away. This is not a good introduction to developmental services in Ontario. So I think along with a lot of others, we've made a commitment to, uh, you know, let's provide information, let's offer what insight we can into what people can be doing. Let's ask them, uh, are you, you know, are, is the person receiving ODSP? Have you registered with DSO? Do you know what passport is? Um, and a lot of people, they haven't heard these things. And so even that, you know, that can take a few months. So by the time they finish all that, they come back and, and uh, perhaps we have a vacancy or or we can offer some help or they, you know, uh, receive passport funding or realize that, well, maybe we'll, we'd like to start out with a little bit of a fee for service just to, to get engaged. And uh, so I think that's really important. And that's something I've been talking about a lot with, with other agencies is, you know, we have to really put a different face on what this is all about. Uh, given the outcome we support, which is people connected and thriving in their own communities, there's things we can do that aren't necessarily a service relationship that help help people. So we kind of committed to, uh, you know, everyone gets a coffee talk if they want it. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, the outcome doesn't have to be about they end up in a service relationship with us. Maybe it's just that uh, we give them some value, some information that um, they can take and implement in the, or talk about it in their own family or you know, bring together their own circle of unpaid support and have a conversation and maybe get back to us with a couple of questions. So those are, I think, keeping rooted in the fact that we're not just, um, you know, we're not just an agent of government delivering a service. The over 300, there's over 300 um, of these developmental services agencies in Ontario, and we're all independent charities as well. And so reminding ourselves of our roots um, as independent organizations serving our communities and the duty to do that beyond kind of our, our service relationships with government. Mm-hmm. And that really speaks to your mission around building community and helping the community and providing that great customer service. So um, it's, it sounds like you're walking the talk uh, at Live, Work, Play, which is great. 
Um, one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Keenan, is you're one of 300 agencies in Ontario. And, uh, you know, there's uh, often, uh, you know, it can be a little bit confusing uh, around these different agencies with community living and, and a couple of others. Can you just help to clarify that a little bit and t- speak to that? Sure. Well, I think one of the most common confusions, so you would have noticed at um, from Presidents of Citizenship, a lot of the uh, partners in that project, they had community living in their name, so community living Attico and community living Thunder Bay. So community living Ontario is basically a, a membership-based um, advocacy organization. So community living Ontario itself doesn't provide direct services to people with intellectual disabilities and their families. Uh, it's like a membership hub or the, it's called, uh, they call it a confederation these days. So basically it's member agencies who, you know, have come together around some shared principles um, and then share information and also contribute to and benefit from uh, the advocacy efforts of the Community Living Ontario team, which, for example, they would be the ones advocating with uh, legislators for, you know, changes to ODSP, that sort of thing. It's a way to work together and advocate positions. Uh, but they're all, all those members. So Live Work Play is actually a member of Community Living Ontario. We just don't have the community living in our name. And I think where this, uh, it's not a problem, but where it may cause a confusion for, um, you know, family members or individuals is if they came from one community where it was community living X and then somewhere else it's community living Y and they're kind of thinking that they'll be exactly the same because they're both community living. Uh, But the fact is one of those agencies may offer uh, a lot of programs and the other may be, you know, almost hundred percent individualized supports. They can be quite different. And so that's a confusion. Uh, But then just in general that, out of the 300 and some developmental services agencies, it's a little over 100 who are members of uh, Community Living Ontario. So there's another 200. Who, and and those uh, agencies also have affiliations. There are other uh, membership groups and, you know, some are members of multiple uh, relationships of those kinds. So I think that can be a bit uh, challenging for families and they can get uh, caught up in some misunderstandings, but basically, the, just to remember, they all—they are all, you know, independent organizations, and their initial accountability is to their own membership, and it grows out from there. So for us, uh, it starts with uh, individuals we support and others who are engaged in helping us realize our mission. That's our first uh, level of accountability. Yeah, that that makes things a lot more clear. That each agency is independent but they some of them belong to a greater collective membership such as community living so thanks for helping to clarify that and the other thing i wanted to just briefly mention is i love the approach that that you're taking at live work play and it's you're more of a, a coach and a facilitator and you're not just saying well this is the right answer it's holding your holding families and holding your clients capable and helping them come to their own solutions, which I really love. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's awesome. So um, 
Keenan, how can our listeners learn more about Live, Work, Play and support your great organization? Well, if they're online, then definitely uh, liveworkplay.ca. And through there, you'll find all our social media channels. But my telephone works as well, uh, 613-702-0332. And I can uh, refer you to whether it's internally or externally, some people that you might want to be talking to in my community or in other communities. Please reach out to Keenan and, uh, and his team if there's some valuable insights and you still have some questions on what we covered today. So, Keenan, super grateful you came on the show and you're always welcome back and looking forward to talking about, uh, you know, uh, unpaid relationships uh, here in the, in the near future with you. All right, Eric, best of luck with all the future episodes. Okay, thanks, Keenan. I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us today for episode one with Keenan Weller of Live, Work, Play. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation uh, between Keenan and I on the movement towards citizenship and individualized services, and also our discussion on how to best partner and access developmental uh, service agencies in Ontario. And I welcome you to join the conversation of the Empowering Ability group on Facebook. Just head on over to Facebook and search Empowering Ability and join the group and happy to invite you into that conversation to talk about all the things that we talk about on the podcast and more. Uh, We'd also love for you to join us in episode two and you can head right over to episode two uh, now and that's with Joanna Good who is the director of Facilitation Wellington Dufferin and Joanna and I discuss independent facilitation and we go over the value that that's bringing to families and individuals. We also talk about support circles and friendship. And I think that there's a lot in that podcast that's going to add to uh, your family and and you yourself. So, so join uh, Podcast 2 with Joanna Good. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.